You are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. If you've got a copy of God's Word this morning with you, whether that's by phone or, or a Bible, let's go to 1 John uh, chapter 3. Is where we're going to be, First John chapter 3. Uh, we'll pick up in verse 11. And uh, if you don't happen to have a, a Bible or, or a copy of God's Word with you, we'll have it up on the screen so you can follow along as well. We've been in this series called Prove It, where we have just been moving through First uh, John, literally kind of pretty much verse by verse. And so this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the, the love that makes the world go round. And uh, I've got a picture on the screen of three professional athletes. You're going to recognize some of these. Uh, the gentleman there taking a knee is Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt is uh, literally considered one of the fastest men alive on the planet. He can run the 100-meter dash in 9.58 seconds. That clocks him about 22 miles per hour when he runs. Okay? I'm here to let you know that I can outrun Usain Bolt this morning. Guy to your top left there wearing the Houston Rockets jersey, we know him. He's James Harden, league MVP, our best player. Guess what? I can play basketball better than James Harden. Okay, the other gentleman there holding the bat, that's our third baseman for your Houston Astros, the team that's going to take it back this year, right? You know, and so you got our all-star third baseman, uh, Alex Bregman. I can play third base better than Alex Bregman. Okay. Now, you're thinking one or two things. Lee, number one, you've totally lost it. Or you're thinking this. Prove it. Show me. Show me you can run faster than Usain Bolt. Show me that you can play basketball better than James Harden. Show me that you can play baseball better than Alex Bregman. See, it's one thing to say you're a Christian. It's another thing to show that you're a Christian. And that's what John's been doing just through this letter. He's writing this letter to Christians in Asia Minor uh, at the time, and he's saying, look, guys, it's one thing to verbally say, yes, I'm a Christian, but here's what it means to live the Christian life. Here's what it means to show that you are a Christian. Now, if you kind of think about our, our town, you think about our community, you think about our nation, there would be a majority, if we polled the majority of people, uh, they would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Sure. I've been to church in my life, or maybe I grew up in church, or I was baptized, or I'm a member of a church. But how many people really show that they're believers in Jesus Christ? What does that look like? And so what John's going to do in this passage that I ask you to open to is compare and contrast love. And he's going to say, here's what the love of Christ looks like, contrasted to here's what the love of the world looks like. And that as believers in Christ, we are to strive and to shoot for loving like Jesus. Because that's a way we can show that we're believers. That we can prove that we belong to Christ and not just say we belong to Christ. Now understand this though. Loving the way Jesus loves does not save you. Okay, We need to make sure we're very crystal clear on that. 
If we say you do what Jesus does, that doesn't mean that by that action your sin is absolved, that you receive grace, that you receive salvation. No, that comes by faith, putting your faith in Christ, your trust in the work of Jesus to take all that away. What we're saying is if you say, yes, I trust in Christ, I believe in Christ, I believe that Jesus has forgiven me of my sin, then your life should be different than those who don't believe that. And so John's going to push us in the way we love one another. Let's pick up in verse 11, and we see the command of the text. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. That's John's way of simply saying what I'm about to tell you is not new. This is written throughout the New Testament. This is written in the Gospels. This is an old kind of command. And here it is in verse 11, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, verse 12 says, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. You see the command in verse 11 to love one another. What in the world does it mean to love one another? Well, loving another person would simply be this, loving without hate, loving without discrimination, Uh, Loving by serving, loving by caring, loving in a way to where when you love someone, you're not expecting something in return. That's loving one another. It's loving and, and putting yourself out there like Christ. We sang about it earlier. It's laying yourself down, saying, okay, I'm, I'm here to love you. No strings attached. And so we're told, love this way, love one another. But notice in verse 12, it says, don't do this, right? So you have a command of positive action to love one another. But then verse 12, he says, but we should not be like Cain. All right, Cain in that part is going to represent the world in a way. And he reminds us of the story of Cain and Abel. Back in Genesis chapter 4, you have the first two brothers in human history, Cain and Abel. Well, both of them brought sacrifices and offering before God. Abel brought God's his best offering. He brought that as a first priority in his life. Cain brought God his leftovers. And so God said, Cain, I I don't receive your offering. Abel, I receive your offering. Genesis chapter 4 tells us that Cain then developed envy against his brother, hate against his brother, strife against his brother, and physically murdered Abel. And so verse 12 is reminding us that, that in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, that, that we don't murder others, that we're not envious of them, we're not jealous of them. That's not the way we love other people. And, and notice in verse 13, he says this, don't be surprised, brothers. And I, I love the way that's actually written. You can almost write it out this way in the Greek. Stop being surprised that the world hates you, that the world doesn't always agree with you. And so if we strive to love like Jesus and not like the world, which represents Cain, then yes, non-Christians are going to disagree with us. There's going to be times they may say something about you. There may be times that they don't like you. Okay, so stop being surprised is, is what John's writing to that culture in our culture. Stop being surprised when they don't line up all the times with what we line up. And so the encouragement in loving would be do not return hate for hate, murder for murder. That spiteful attitude for a spiteful attitude. Those harsh words for harsh words. Think about it this way. For those of you that are on Facebook, 
If I pulled up your Facebook page and I put it on the screen for all of us to look at this morning, what would it say? What are the posts that you're sharing about people who don't agree with you politically? What are those posts you're sharing about people who don't, you don't agree with their lifestyle? Are there hateful posts there? Are there spiteful posts that you have toward other people? Now, you might think, oh, wait a minute, Lee, come on, back off. That's Facebook, right? I mean, that's, that's not me saying it. Sure it is. If you post it, you said it. Okay? That's the way of the world today. If you post it, you said it. Now, some of you look at me like Facebook. Man, I just put pictures of my cats and recipes on there. Well, well okay. But, but what, would your, what would those actions on your social media show against the person you don't agree with politically or their lifestyle? Are you seeking to love them as well? Or are you taking on the attitude of Cain toward that way? Because John says, don't, don't, don't be surprised when they hate you. Don't, don't return that type of attitude toward them, that type of action toward them. And so he says, well, all right, there's the command to love one another. Well, then why are we to love people that way? I mean, stop and think about it this way. Why, why love one another? Because that's, that's hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard to love people? I mean, you've you got somebody at your office tomorrow that you see them coming. You're ducking in your cubicle. You're probably bending down to tie your shoe real quick. Fake a heart attack, choking, you know, thing. I don't know what you're going to do. But you see them coming and you're thinking, man, ugh. It's too early on a Monday for that, right? So we all have hard people in our lives to love, amen? Okay, some of you don't. Wow. Can you show me how you did that? Yeah? Some of you looked at each other, which was also another (laughs) prayer down front at the altar later. But why love people that way? Well, verse 14 tells us the why of the command. Because John says we know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. All right, so we're to fulfill verse 11 command of loving others because verse 14 tells us that as believers in Jesus Christ, we pass out of death into life. Okay? So what he's speaking of there is, is that salvation that you have in Christ. Ephesians 2 will tell us that before you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were spiritually dead did not have spiritual life in you. Yes, you had physical life, but no spiritual life yet. Right? So, so that's why it's incorrect sometimes if you ask somebody, hey, share me your testimony, share your story, and they go, well, I've always been a believer in Jesus Christ. I usually stop people right there and say, no, 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 you've not always been a believer in Jesus Christ. There had to be a point in time where you became a believer in Jesus Christ. John 3 would tell us this is the new birth. You've been born again. There should be a moment in time in your life where you've placed your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, and now you are born again. You are born in new life spiritually, right? And so that's what John says. We've been born out of death into life. Now that we have this life, we're not to be what? Verse 15, those who murder our brothers, those who murder within our minds and our speech and our heart and our actions, 
Why? Because it says this in verse 15, that everyone who hates his brother does not have eternal life abiding in him. Right? The, the two can't go together. Something's off in that equation. And, and I love what John does here because he uses verse 11, the term one another. In verses 14 and 15, he's used the term brother quite often. If you kind of read the whole letter in one sitting, you're going to see that one another come up a lot. You're going to see that brother come up a lot. So as I was working through this passage this week and thinking about it myself and thinking, okay, verse 11 tells me to love one another. Who's the one another? Who's the brother in verse 14? Who's the brother in verse 15? Well, John's going to point us to the fact that that term means brother and sisters in Christ. That's other Christians. And so he says, brothers, we, we love the brothers. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We love one another. Now, is John advocating that we don't have a love for all people? No. I mean, we, we have a love for all people. All people are made in the image of God. All people deserve dignity and respect and love because God made them. But what John's centering us in on and and pushing us in toward is there's a different type of love, a special love for brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul says about the same thing in Galatians, in chapter 6 and verse 10, where he says, So then, as we have this opportunity, let's do good to everyone, okay, every person, and especially those of the household of faith. So if we're to have this love for everyone, but the special centered in love for the brothers and sisters in Christ, this one another, how then do we know how to love? How how then do we know what this love looks like? Is it by all the romantic comedies and movies you've seen over time? Is that the type of love? Is it all the love you've learned from all the love songs over the time? Maybe it's the type of love you've read from your romance novels. Is it that the type of love? Uh, no, no. Again, notice verse 16. John is showing us this is the type of love that we exhibit, that we show to others. He says, by this, we know love. Right? So when you stop and you think about that short phrase of what he just said, by this, we know love, we've got to ask the question, what's the this? All right, so by this, we know love. What's the this then, John? And here's what he says, that Christ laid down his life for us. So we know love and we know how to love by looking at what Christ has done for us. He laid down his life for us. He sacrificed for us. He gave himself for us. Think about it this way, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, doesn't that sound a lot like 1 John 3, 16? Because notice what he says again in verse 16. By this we know love. He laid down his life for us. So what are we to do? We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But then notice in verse 17, he warns us on something. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Okay, so, so we know love because we can look at what Jesus has done. We see the command to love 
out of love one another and how we're to love by sacrificing and, and giving toward the brothers and sisters of the faith. To think about how we can serve each other and, and care for each other. But I love what John says here in verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, but he closes his heart against him, he asks that question, how does God's love abide in him? See, understand this. The heart always controls the hands. Okay? The heart always controls the hands. There was a, a Sunday school teacher, and she had her class of eighth graders. And she was teaching a lesson on giving. And she asked the class, you know, hey, if, if you had a friend in need who needed $500, who would give him $500? And Jamal shot his hand up. He said, teacher, I'd give him $500. She said, man, Jamal, that, that's awesome. Class, if, if you had a friend in need and they needed $100, who'd give him $100? Boy, Jamal shot his hand back up. Teacher, I'd give him $100. If I had $100, I'd give him $100. Said, but Jamal, wow, that's awesome. Thank you, Jamal. Look at class and said, class, if you had a friend who needed a dollar, who'd give your friend a dollar? Jamal didn't raise his hand. And she said, well, hang on, Jamal, wait a minute. You said if, if your friend needed $500, you'd give him $500. Jamal said, yep, yep, I'd give him $500. Wait, but if needed $100, you'd give him $100. Teacher, you got it. I'd give him $100. But you wouldn't give your friend a dollar if they needed a dollar? Why, Jamal? Well, Jamal pulls a dollar out of his pocket, and he goes, you know why? Because I really like this dollar. <laughs> See, it's, it's easy to give away something we don't have. Really hard to give away something we have. So what John's getting at in verse 17 is that the heart controls the hands. And so when we see each other in need, what's our response? What's your response to seeing a brother or sister in Christ in need? How do you love that person? Well, you you love that person in action, right? That's what he says in verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. So you can say you love someone, But what John's saying is love really should be displayed. It's an action. You show that. You take care of that person. You sacrifice for that person. I I love what Warren Wearsby puts about this passage. He says, self-preservation is the first law of physical life. But self-sacrifice is the first law of spiritual life. I'm going to say it again. Self-preservation is the first law of physical life. But self-sacrifice is the first law of spiritual life. So let me ask you this morning, how are you loving one another? How are you doing that practically? Let, let me kind of put in a, an encouragement, if I can, for you. This is where I think a passage where you look at how you're involved in the life of the body here. You know, because it's easy to slip in on a Sunday morning, and slip out real fast. But if you're one that just kind of slips in and slips out, let me just ask, how are you going to fulfill the one another command if you're not connected in? How are you going to do that? You know, so that's one of the reasons we encourage you to go to life group at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Our life groups are for all ages. 
And that, that, that life group should be more than just studying the Bible. Yes, we want to study the Bible in life group, but, but we want you in life group to share prayer requests and burdens and needs so that way your, your life group can help and take care of you. I mean, I, we're, we're not far removed from Hurricane Harvey, still are we? I mean, that, I know that for some of you that still feels like yesterday. But when that storm hit, There were so many life groups of people in life groups that went out and helped and served and and helped pull out things of some of your homes that were flooded. Who's your support system? If you go in the hospital and you have a surgery, who's your support system if something happens in your life? See, we're glad you're here, but we want you to plug in. We want you to get to know people. We want you to connect. We want you to build a community and a family here to where you say, yes, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ who, who are going to help and who I'm going to be able to help. And so let me, let me encourage you, if you're not plugged into one of those adult life groups, and you can talk to me, you can talk to Cindy Pitt. She's in charge of our life groups and oversees that. We'll be happy to help you find a home in a life group. But you have to ask yourself this morning, if this is the command of Scripture to love one another, I can't do that isolated alone. And I know sometimes people say, all right, well, I'm going to sit here and, and you connect me. No, let me encourage you. You be the one to connect. Right? Don't, don't wait on someone else. You step out and you start connecting. Here's another way you can fulfill the one, one another commands. It's serving. Find a way to serve within our church. Right? I can tell you one of the biggest needs of any church is always uh, the kids' area, right? And what a great area to serve is kids. I'm going to ask for an amen on that. Can I get one? Okay. Right. Why are kids the greatest area to serve in a church? Man, that's the next generation. We're passing the torch down to them. We're, we're passing the word of God down to them, right? We're going to teach them how to love by loving them and serving them. And so if you're looking for a place to serve, look, we can put you to work immediately in our kids' area, in our special needs ministry that's, that's growing. We, we love for you to be able to serve our kids and love our kids. You know, the saddest part I hear sometimes when we come to folks, and I won't say necessarily this church, but I've heard this because I've been around as a pastor long enough, where people say, hey, will you, will you serve in our kids' area? Oh, no, I don't want to serve kids anymore. I've done my time. It's not a prison sentence, okay? These are boys and girls that are made in the image of God that God loves. And you and I are just to deposit that word in and serve them and say, yes, we want to love you and care for you. So if you're interested in that, you contact Caroline Durham. You contact myself. We'll be more than happy to put you involved there. But let me just ask you this. If the command's to love one another, how are you going to do that today? How are you loving other brothers and sisters in Christ? How are you loving people that God has put in your life? Because today, if you want to learn about love, you look to the cross of Jesus Christ. If you want to know how to love, you look to the cross of Jesus Christ. If you sit there this morning and say, God, do you love me? You look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have life groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10.30 a.m. For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, 
go to heightschurch.org slash give.